Let us pray. Most loving and gracious God, we give you thanks and praise for this day. We pray that your Holy Spirit would open our hearts to hear your voice. Lord, may your word be spoken and your word received. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. In the Gospel reading today, Jesus, for the second time, tries to get his disciples to understand who he is, what he's come to do, and what that is going to look like going forward. And once again, he says to them that the Son of Man is going to be betrayed and killed and after three days will rise again. And we're told, but they did not understand what he meant. And certainly for us, it probably makes more sense. Uh, but as we look at Scripture, we have to remember that as the disciples are going through this, they don't have the benefit of all of the stories. They're doing this in real time, and we get to look at it uh, 2,000 years later and say, well, they should have gotten it. It, it makes perfect sense, uh, but it didn't necessarily make perfect sense because that was not the type of Messiah that many were longing for. That was not their expectation. And while we know certain scriptures point uh, to Jesus and his sacrifice, uh, there's others that you could read that you would expect the victorious conquering Messiah that you could rightly assume is going to liberate you from this evil oppression by Rome. You could understand that interpretation. And so they don't get it. Once again, what Jesus is trying to tell them. Because they have their own agenda. They have their own ideas. They have their own plan for how this thing is going to play out. And so Jesus, he asks them, well, what were you guys arguing about? Uh, on the way down here. And I can almost see the, the shifting among the group and we think, oh, let's talk about the weather or what we're we going to have for dinner tonight. Anything but that question. You know, and, and I think you have to give the, uh, the gospel writers credit because they could have edited this out to make themselves look better. Right? If you're the one writing the book. But we're told, well, what are they arguing about? Who's going to be the greatest? <laughs> Which one is the greatest? And that disconnect we see is the prime reason they don't understand this Messiah who will be killed. And they're having an argument about, well, who's going to be the most important? And lest we think it's just them, I think this is precisely what James is getting at in this section of the letter where look, look at where these things come from. You don't have what you want and so you kill each other and all these things that come about with our desire to be number one, to be the greatest, to have it be all about me. And in fact, Jesus, the example that he gives is just the opposite of that. 
And that's what James is saying, watch out. Because these things are at war inside of you, wanting you to be number one. And we can't because God is. And Jesus calls us then, as he says, well, he sits them down, and he says, if anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. And that's a statement that we still need to hear. This is the model that Jesus gave us. This is what it looks like to be first in the eyes of God. To be serving one another. Which means then we have to set aside our desire uh, to worry only about us. And for me to be number one and the most important. And these are the kind of things that James says, you know, as we talked about last week, with watching these things that are simmering underneath. Because then they emerge in the things that he was talking about today. Well, then you have murder, and you have this, and you talk about this one, and this explosion happens, and all these things that happen in our life when we're not cognizant of what's going on underneath. And that desire to be number one, I think, is, is like the most... Uh, original of the problems we get ourselves into and, it, and it's conveyed right back in Genesis when they were in perfect relationship with God but somehow eating from this tree is going to make it better and I want, they wanted to be more like God in their own eyes with their own plan which leads to disobedience and so often we want to be number one that seems to be the the driver in, in much of what we hear in the advertising around us. You know, it, it's all about you. You can have it your way. I mean, even at one point, the army slogan was an army of one. And they were appealing to the individual and to the individual's ego. And you think, well, an army of one is not very strong. <laughs> we need like a lot of people to sign up. But we did so by appealing, you're the one. And all of the things that are tried to being sold to us. You know, if you have this, you'll be the greatest. You'll be better than all the people on your block. If you live here or drive this or do that, then your life will be complete. And to go with it, you get a bonus and there's more things you have to buy to be even more complete after you buy the thing that makes you complete. But that's how it goes. But the advertisers know our own ego. And we want to think, well, what about, what about me? And Jesus calls us then, well then, lay down yourself for one another. That's what the church is supposed to look like. That we are people in service to one another and to those around us. And it's not really an optional thing that we can say, well, if you really want to be super spiritual, you could sign up to serve in some way. Really, we're all called to this life. And Jesus gave his whole being for us and calls us to do the same. And he gives that image as he takes the child and picks him up in his arms and says, whoever welcomes one of these children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. You know, an image we see every Sunday right behind the altar. Jesus and the children. And we have to think, well, what is it about the children? 
Well, first of all, they don't do, you know, children don't do automatically these bad things to one another, right? They just get along automatically, and then we teach them how to have problems with each other and how to fight, and we teach them how to be selfish. They, I mean, children don't do these things by default. And they also don't question the story you tell in the book as to, well, how can that not be? And they don't have to have all the answers. They just believe it to be so. And all of these things about children, I think, are part of why Jesus always uses children as an example. Because they just believe them. They don't have to get it. They don't have to have all the answers. They don't have to have it their way. They don't, by, by nature, do all these things that James is warning us about. And whoever welcomes the child, he says, welcomes not only Jesus, but the one who sent him. And so as we, we see what God has done for us and we hear the caution in James, well, how do we get to live that life of service? Where does it come from? And I think the only way we can do it is what James says. He says, flee the devil and draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. That's where our source of life and strength comes from. That's the only way we live a life in service to one another. It's only through the power of God that we're willing to put someone else above ourselves. And so we must then draw near to God continually. That's the call on our lives. That's, James doesn't say, well, try really hard or take a class, and then, then you'll be fine. He says, draw near to God. And the more we draw near to God, the more we should be changed into the image of Jesus. That's the goal of discipleship, is that we become like Jesus. And if anybody thinks that we can do it on our own, Raise your hand and I'd love to hear how you figured it out and we'll all sign up and do the same thing. But the only way is to surrender our life to God and allow God to work in us so that little by little, day by day, we might become more of a servant just like Jesus came to serve us and to give himself for us. For in doing so, that's the fulfillment of the gospel. That's the life that Jesus came to give us. And may the Holy Spirit show us day by day what that means, that we might actually be able to live it out as Jesus calls us to. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your life given for us. And we pray that your Holy Spirit would empower us to live that life of love that you've called us to, that we might lay down ourselves in service to you and to one another that others might come to see you through us and that they too might receive your love, mercy, grace, and peace. In Jesus, we ask this in your precious and holy name. Amen.